Abba Yahweh, the sharing of your word, your gospel, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, Father God, for my brothers and sisters to uplift, to encourage, exhort, and if need be, to admonish. Father, that is you. That is not in me. This is for your glory and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, King, and Savior, who came for us all. Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to start out in, um, in James 4. And it speaks to something that I've shared with you before. And I'm going to start in 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth the brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go now ye that say today or tomorrow, and we will go into a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and yet gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And what James is talking about here, brothers and sisters, is that we all have this tendency to plan what comes tomorrow. And we all decide that we want to do that on our own and we make plans and we make issue for this and that and we take that upon ourselves and then we speak judgment to others, what they look like, what they sound like, what they're wearing. That's not for us to decide, brothers and sisters. This is not our call. And tomorrow does not belong to us. Tomorrow is not promised. And I've become habitual in this, and I catch myself sometimes when I try to plan for tomorrow, or I have those that ask about tomorrow, or this or that and the other. And my response is, Lord willing, I'll be able to do that. Or Lord willing, I will be there. Lord willing, it will happen. And it is all according to his will. He may decide that when I lay down after I pray, over you and pray for you and your encouragement and your strength and your boldness in the word that he may not wake me tomorrow. It's not mine to decide. It is his will and his will only. And I share that because we have a tendency to do that. We get caught up in these things. This is one of the gambits that the enemy uses against us. He uses that as a device to get us caught up and not focused and not fixed on God, but rather fixated on the things that are all going on around us and the things that are going and not fixed on what God has intended. That's one of his issues in these thought processes that we think are, oh, that's just my thought. That's just, you know, an idea I had. Well, no, it's not. 
it's an idea and a thought. I've, I've shared this with you before. This is why we need to make sure that we have on the helmet of salvation the full armor of God because the enemy uses these things as seed. He plants seeds of thought. Just as the Holy Spirit will speak to us, the enemy uses thought process and puts these ideas in our minds to keep us focused on all that's going on around us and everything else except fixated on the word of God and prayer and what God's purpose and plan is. And just like Paul wrote in the letters, be not careful for anything, be not anxious. That's because the enemy wants us that way. He wants us anxious. He wants us looking to the left, looking to the right and being all caught up in all these things. And nothing that is what's before us. And that is the walk with God. So I share that to get into some of these things on, on heroes of the word. And some of them started out correctly and in their walk and some started out a little bit differently. And it's, I tie that all together because we do the very same thing today. Now we have, we start with Noah that was given, and, and these heroes that became heroes was by the grace of God. And we share this here with you. Uh, I share with you Noah. And when Noah entered the ark after he finished building it, he was 600 years old when the flood came. And Noah took almost 120 years to finish building the ark. And when Noah started building this ark, because God knew what was his intent. He, he intended to flood the earth because he was so distraught with what men had become and how we became with each other. And I share with you again that in Luke 24, that Jesus Christ talks about it being as it was in the days of Noah before he comes back. And in Noah's time, God spoke to Noah and told him to build his ark because he was going to flood the earth. And because he found righteousness in Noah's heart, he instructed Noah on the building of the ark. Now understand this, that Noah was building this ark, this huge, immense vehicle for the water. There were no lakes, there were no streams, there were no rivers, there were no inland seas around Noah. He was building this ark out there and nothing there. And the whole time that he was building the ark, he was a target of ridicule and harassment. And Noah attempted to preach and teach, but instead he was ridiculed because everyone around had turned their hearts hard and chose to do their own thing, to go about the day, to plan for tomorrow, to make this and that idea, and they were gonna sell this and sell that and buy this and buy that. They had all their tomorrows all lined up and planned what they were gonna do. Noah attempted to teach. 
he attempted to preach to them and share with them and give them an opportunity. And the whole while that he was building on this ark, they were refusing and they instead harassed, ridiculed, belittled him. And they just gave him a hard time. But he continued in teaching and preaching and tried to tell them until that day when God said, it's time. It's time to go into the ark. And then when he went in and the groundwater started to rise and the rains came from above and the waters rose so quickly, then the people said, oh my gosh, Noah was right. Oh my gosh, let's get to the ark. And they tried as they could as Noah was closing the ark. And they were, you can imagine that they were hollering and screaming, let us in, let us in, let us in. But God had already told Noah how it was going to be. He forewarned Noah. And Noah attempted to tell them. They refused to listen. They refused to hear the word. And then it was too late. Brothers and sisters, as we are told, too, to share by the word of God, that we are to share the word with everyone. We are to tell them, to share with them, to try to encourage them to get them to change because the only begotten Son of God came so that everyone would have the opportunity. And our call and our purpose by Lord God Almighty is that we share that gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and give everyone an opportunity. We are not to judge them. We are not to decide who gets to hear the word and who does not get to hear the word. That is not our place. That is not what we are called to do. We are not called to be judges. If we were called to be judges, the Holy Spirit would tell us, you are to judge and we are not to judge. That is not our place. Our place is to share the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ who came that everyone would have an opportunity. And then in Genesis 37 through 50 is the story of Joseph and how Joseph was beset by his brothers, his own brothers, and they sold him into captivity. Ridiculed and teased because his father favored him. And they thought that he wasn't deserving because he was the youngest. But Joseph had a righteous heart. He had a good heart. And in the story of Joseph, Joseph was sold into bondage and... Uh, the Midianites had taken him out of that pit and they sold him into slavery and he was taken into Egypt. But because of God's favor, Joseph was elevated to a position in Egypt because when Joseph was taken and sold there, it was seen that God favored him and that he was a good man of God. And he was put in charge of one of the uh, leaders, one of the, those that had uh, 
had, uh, I guess, what would you call him? You'd call him a governor, I guess, in Egypt. And Joseph was made an overseer in his house. And when Potiphar saw this favor in them, and Joseph was placed in that house and was made elevated there. And then, of course, we know the story there where his wife tried to lie on Joseph about something that Joseph would not have done because his heart was a righteous heart and the heart of a righteous man. And he would not lie with his wife, but she lied. Joseph was then put into prison. But even in prison, Joseph found favor through God. And Joseph was taken out of prison, and he was able to interpret dreams. He saw dreams, and that came back to Pharaoh because the Pharaoh was having We'd call them nightmares. He was having these bad dreams and couldn't get any of his counselors to be able to interpret the dreams. But the word came to him that there was one that could, and that was Joseph. Joseph was elevated in Egypt and made a high overseer over all things, second only to the Pharaoh, and that all in Egypt had to answer to him. And then Joseph came back and was concerned about his father and his brothers and the people of Israel because of the famine and the drought and the things that were going on. And it came around that he was able to get his family and Israel into the land of Goshen, which was a part of the Egyptian empire, and brought them. And he didn't turn. He could have very easily turned against his brothers had them in prison or even slayed them and there would have been no question. But he didn't do that. Instead, he forgave and he showed them love and he poured out his righteous good favor that God saw in his heart. And he stayed an upright, righteous man. And he took care of his brothers and he brought them and Israel was in Egypt and they lived there. And then, unfortunately, of course, if we know the rest of the story, is that that Pharaoh that saw the might of God and saw that God favored them, he died. And a new Pharaoh rose up. And they became fearful of the children of Israel, saw how much they had multiplied and how they were mighty and how the land all around them was getting filled by, the, by Israel. And they became fearful. So then they came on, and we can see that this story is in the book of Exodus. And that story becomes apparent in Exodus chapter 1. So that Pharaoh, now who was not fearful of God and did not recognize God. Instead, they rose up against Israel. They take them, they put them in bondage and they tried to 
destroy them or weaken them by putting them into uh, working areas and work camp to build. And they made it very hard on them. They made it difficult for them to get anything or do anything unless it was by their hand, by the Egyptians' hands. And if we look around us in the world today, brothers and sisters, that very thing is going on around us now. Things are very difficult unless we cow down to those that are certain elected officials and those that decide that they're in charge and that they have everything going on. And part of what's going on around us now is because they see that people are kind of tired of what's going on and they're voicing what's going on. So what do they do? They continue pushing harder and harder. And brothers and sisters, instead of relying on God's might and his strength and having faith in what God's doing, people are turning to the government for an answer. And I'm here to tell you right now that all the things that they promised, that's of mammon. And it's only of their word. And then we turn around and find out, all you have to do is look around and see that it doesn't come to fruition. It turns out, sadly enough, to be a lie. These programs that they declare that they have don't exist. Or then they turn around and say, oh, it's broken. We don't have anything. We have a system that was put in place and was supposed to be a protected for those of us that have worked long enough to be able to retire by this. But yet government officials have taken away from that. And, and now their excuse is, oh, it's broken. We don't have it. We can't give it to you. We can't give what was designed for you. It's happening around us. The same thing as it happened there. And at that time, so what's happening now is not any different. Everybody says, oh, well, it was different then. It's different now. And the relevance of the Bible, it's not relevant today. Oh, yes, it is, brothers and sisters. I've shared this with you before. The only difference is the era that we're in. But it is not different. And the Bible is relevant then. It's relevant now. And it will be relevant because God is the author and finisher. He is the first and the last. He's the ancient of days. Yahweh the maker of all things that are made. His word is truth, and it is everlasting. It is relevant. Everything that happened then is happening now, and it's just a different era, and it appears different. We say, oh, well, it's different. How is it different, brothers and sisters? It's not different. Just different names and different things. Here's, here's the example. I love this from Moses. When Moses first ran off from Egypt, you know the story there, or in case you don't, he had, he had killed an Egyptian that was beating his brother. He knew, Moses knew that he was not Egyptian. He was taken from the river and called Moses because the Pharaoh's daughter at the time took him from the river, so called him Moses, came from the river, came from the water. And he became... Powerful because he was Pharaoh's daughter. But any, at any rate, he, he killed this Egyptian because the Egyptian was beating terribly um, the Israelis or the Israelites that were working and building in his group. And then when Moses saw two of them 
striving with each other and he said something to them. They said, oh, who are you? You're in charge of us now? What, are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And Moses didn't think that anybody saw him. So he got afraid and he took off running because they would tell on him. And he went off, ran away. Which is what we tend to do because when the accuser points his finger and he starts to accuse and he also puts false evidence appearing real into us, then we become fearful instead of going to God and saying, God, I'm, I'm frightened, but I love you and I know that you are with me always because you have promised that. And instead of running to our strong tower, which is what God has called our strong tower, our tower of refuge. Instead of running to God, we run away because we become fearful. God does not mind us to be afraid. He knows that there are things that will frighten us. But turn to him instead of allowing fear to govern our reactions. Because when you become fearful, you tend to run away from things. Here's an example. Okay, and some people don't like this analogy, but too bad, so sad. We are members of the animal kingdom. That's biology 101. I learned that in the sixth grade. Animal kingdoms, the phylum, the subphylum, the genes, and all that stuff. I learned all that stuff in sixth grade when we started studying science more earnestly. Actually, I learned that we were part of the animal kingdom in the fifth grade. So... When you see or you hear of things, you've all heard of the term stampede. What happens with these critters, the other members of the animal kingdom, when something frightens them and they become fearful, they stampede and they try to run away from it. Lightning strikes the ground, you have a buffalo stampede out in, in the Yellowstone and out there in the wilderness and they're frightened so they start to run away. And in the African Delta and uh, in the African Belt and out there, you have the wildebeest, these huge herds, and a lightning strike or a brush fire or something, they become fearful and they start to stampede. People are the same. When we become fearful, we react in ways other than what we normally would. And the enemy knows that. So he drives fear. Fear is a liar. This is one of the other pseudonyms of Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, fear, the accuser. He presents false evidence that appear real. It becomes a fear in us. And then sadly, some of us become fearful. And then we react. Either we react angrily, we react uh, by running away instead of being strong and firm in the Lord and standing on his promises and standing up. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, Moses did the same thing. He ran away. And then Moses tried to give the angel at the burning bush excuses. And then when God came to Moses and told him what he was going to do, he says, well, God, what, what if they question me? What if they ask me? What, what, what should I tell them? And he says, 
unto Moses, I am that I am. And this is what you tell them when they ask you who sent you. I am has sent you. And then Moses continued with his excuses because he was trying to say that he was not, not an elegant speaker. And you know, some of you may not know this or not, but Moses had a speech impediment. Uh, I think we would call it in this day and time, a cleft palate. He spoke oddly. Uh, his speech was a little bit slower and different. And when he tried to pour these excuses out on God... <laughs> it actually angered God a little bit. And this we can find in Exodus chapter 4. And we can start in verse 13. And he said, O oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who will send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall say. So Moses had an excuse to God that, oh, God, you know, I'm not so smart. You know, I got this speech impediment thing going on. Well, God got a little agitated with him. And not only did he take Moses' staff, and give that to him as a tool to use. But he said, oh, that's okay. You have excuses. I have a remedy. I'm going to send Aaron with you because Aaron is an elegant speaker and he can speak and you're going to tell him what he needs to say. And you both will do it. So Moses' excuses didn't work. Brothers and sisters, I tell you now, in this day and time, we still make excuses to God. Oh, God, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough. And I'm not, I haven't learned about this. I haven't learned about that. Let me share this with you, brothers and sisters. I do not have a theological degree. I did not go to a college. Okay, here's the other end of that. What is that? That's a validation of man. I have a higher certificate of knowledge and scriptural verse. My certification, my diploma comes from HSU. That's called Heaven Sent University. My teacher is the Holy Spirit. And I told you already, I've shared this with you. Try my spirit, brothers and sisters. Try my spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit and pray. If I don't speak truth, then simply delete. If I don't speak truth, then just don't listen. But I'm telling you right now that my words come through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. And I will not make up falsehoods to try to impress anybody out there because your validation does not matter to me. What matters to me is that you have an opportunity to, to learn the word of God, to share the word of God, and to accept the word of God as truth. That's all that matters. And that if you have not taken the opportunity to get down and pray and say, Father, God, creator of all things, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only son, that you send him to earth so that we might have life and have it more abundantly and that we could have eternal life with you, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and all our loved ones that have gone before us. 
That's what matters to me, brothers and sisters. The validation of my God is the only stamp on my certification that matters. Your validation doesn't matter. I would like it that people like me. I would like it that you people would listen and, and be approving. All that. But you know what? That's not the import. The import is the validation that God says, yes, yes, you do this. This is, this is important. And that more importantly, if that's possible, is that there are those that might hear what I share and say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ came for us. I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son. I want to believe. I want to have faith in you. And repent and turn and walk with God. It's not an easy walk, brothers and sisters, because I'm telling you right now what Joseph went through, what Moses went through, and what these others went through. It was not an easy walk, and it's not an easy walk because the devil is trying to knock us off of those, that walkway all the time. The closer our walk to God, the more difficult it becomes. It doesn't become easier, and it doesn't become, you know, we start floating above the ground. We don't have to walk in the little potholes or any of those things like that, and we can float over stones and stumbling blocks. It doesn't work that way. The way it does work is that we continue allowing God with his righteous, strong hand to hold our hands and hold on to us, and that we continue walking in faith and following where God leads. Our faith in God is the import. That whatever the detour of the road, that is the road that we're meant to be on because God is with us. You go down to the end of a road and there's a big blockade or a big sign that says, no throughway, left turn only. You ignore that sign and you drive straight ahead. And then you go off the edge of the cliff because you couldn't see it. You were driving at nighttime. So instead of following the sign, you drove yourself off the edge of a cliff. God puts signs out there in front of us all the time, brothers and sisters. And we have to have faith that God is walking with us and that that detour is where we are meant to be. God will show us. God is with us all the time. I have another person that became a hero. And we will find his story in the book of Judges. And some of you may have heard of this person. His name is Gideon. And his story with God be began actually with excuses and indignation. And he questioned the angel, first of all, why did God do this and not to that? And, and who are you that I know that you came from God? And actually the angel gave him a sign. And Gideon still gave excuses. And he came up and said, well, you know, I'm, I'm from a poor family. I'm the least of my family. I'm the least of my father's house. And, you know, I, and, and you're telling me that I'm supposed to do these things. And the proof was given to the angel and Gideon then turned. And brothers and sisters, the same thing I'm sharing right now. That proof, 
that's called trying the spirit. Because there are those in this day and age that is relevant to the time of Gideon. They will claim certain things, but if you try their spirit, you will find that they are false speakers. They are teaching false doctrine. They are teaching falsely. And I've offered this to you time and time again, and I'll offer it again. Try my spirit. God has given me this opportunity, and I shared in the beginning when I first started this. I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know which way to turn. And I've also shared with you that I become verbose when it becomes about God's word, that I like to share the word. I like to talk about the word of God. And I, it was suggested that I do this thing. And it was going to cost so much to even get started. And I have to add special this and special that. And I put it before God. And I said, Father, if this is what you think that I should be doing, and you think that this is a good idea, you believe this and you condone that I share your gospel this way, then you will make it happen. And brothers and sisters, I found in the same place that I had been looking for this thing called anchor and interesting enough what's the name of the podcast anchored in the word and I'd actually well I don't think that I did I think the Holy Spirit put that thought in my head this is a a name that I wanted to call the podcast and then this thing showed up called anchor it's all free. Everything is free. And multiple platforms offered free. So brothers and sisters, God does work. He still does miracles. Okay, back to Gideon. So in the book of Gideon, in the book of Judges, we can see that Gideon had excuses to God. And he came up with many excuses. And then when they had issue because of the, uh, they were studying, this is, Israel fell into this numerous times. And every time they turned around, something great happened. And then the leader who was leading them through all these things died or something else happened that they turned their back. And they went right back to Baal. They went back to the idol worship because it was presented to them right in their face. And it was there. And the leadership was gone, so they weren't following. So Gideon went to Mount Gilead and he called in his trumpet and this is a way for him to get help. It was like the, the big alarm system. And the people responded. And because those that were following Baal were so many and so many came and responded but God told Gideon he said you have too many and Gideon says well what too many and God did not want him to have those to go over those that were worshiping Baal the Amalekites and the Midianites and the army that came to Gideon's call for help he didn't want them to respond and say, yeah, there were so many of us, we just went down there and whooped them all. We did it. So he kept telling Gideon 
uh, we can find the, the story continuing in Judges 7, 5 through 23. That we can find that Gideon took him down to the river and God told him, he said, here's how this is going to work, Gideon. Go down to the river and I'm going to tell you which ones are going to go with you. Those that pick up the water with their hand and they lap it out of their hand like a, a dog and keep their eyes around, those are the ones that are going to go with you. And those who get down and put their face in the water who are not paying attention to what goes on, those are the ones you're going to send home. And over the thousands that had gathered against them, Gideon was left with 300 men. 300. But they prevailed. Why? Because God told them they were. And can we not see that we are too the very same way we have excuses about why we don't do what God calls us to do? We're too weak. We don't have this. We don't have that. Are we not diminishing the might and power of God in doing that thing so that we are not heroes of the word? This is the very thing that we're told not to do. And we're told, brothers and sisters, that we are to do in faith what God calls us to do. Paul wrote it, we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we walk with our spiritual eyes closed and our spiritual ears closed, we're not going to hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit talking to us. We're not going to see that faithful army that's with us, that is with us all the time. Brothers and sisters, it's important that we do this, that we walk in faith and not by sight. And in Acts 3, 20 through 26 is, I think, an important little passage. He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Jesus Christ was sent, that was raised up out of the blood of man. He was sent by God. He set his crown on his throne. He was sitting in heaven, but yet he came to earth as a man. And it shall come to pass that every soul which which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. God sent Jesus Christ to give us the opportunity to repent and turn and in faith to follow God and believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. All of us have that opportunity. And right there 
it is told that Jesus was sent for that purpose. And that all we have to do is open our spiritual ears and eyes, read the word of God, seek his face, and hear the Holy Spirit and the word of God speaking to us. Our spiritual ears and eyes, brothers and sisters, not the physical. That didn't work. We read, if you stay in the word of God and you read about it, you see what happened in the Sanhedrin all the time. And Jesus Christ repeatedly told them, they that have ears, let them hear. And they didn't get that. They didn't understand that. Even his disciples at one time, they asked him what that meant. And Jesus clarified. Brothers and sisters, that's what it means. They that have ears, let them hear. If you have spiritual ears and hearing, you will hear the voice of God. That's still small voice. And you will hear and understand. Brothers and sisters, you will see that God is true. God is faithful. And God is mighty and sovereign. Brothers and sisters, I love you. You have a blessed day. I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. As I always do, your strength and your boldness. Have a blessed day.